Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of Confession, which is my attempt to rectify uh, showing up as only a, um, a professional who knows what the fuck I'm talking about with uh, bullet points and curricular structure and uh, all of those things that we tend to value so very much uh, when it comes to professionalism, but that ultimately can strip away some of the the vulnerability and depth that I feel is most essential at this moment. So confession, I cry a lot of mornings. What's fascinating is that I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth after confession. One of my rules for myself is I can't plan this. I can't script it. I can't take notes. I can't make points for it. And, uh, and so it's, it's actively, I am feeling sensations of fear in my body at this moment. It's scary to say I cry most mornings. Um, and a part of that is because, um, I'm an Enneagram four, which if you're familiar with the Enneagram fours or feelers. And what I've found over the years is that the more I'm willing to feel, the more quickly emotions can move through me. And that the more time I spend resisting and the more energy I spend resisting the emotions, the more generally bitchy and terrible I become as a human. And I did that experiment the longest with like a good solid five years of just I don't cry um, when I was married. And it was just ugly Um, because I didn't want to be married, but I wasn't going to cry about it. Um, (laughs) So there's that. Um, and I'm buoyed up by two things at this moment. The first is Brene Brown, uh, in her most recent podcast, the Dare to Lead podcast with Scott Sunshine. It sounds like Sunshine. It's not Sunshine. You'll see his last name. It's pronounced similarly. And he's Scott Sunshine in my brain because he's very beautiful in spirit. Just listen to that. She said, people ask her all the time, how are people generally doing? Because, you know, she has hundreds of thousands of data points. So she knows, like, how are people generally doing? And uh, she said, by and large, people are not okay. So if you're not okay, right now is the perfect time to not be okay. Because Brene Brown says, by and large, nobody's okay. This is me hitting on a steering wheel because I'm in my car. I've pulled over on the side of the road. Um, 
So if nobody's okay, or if most people are not okay, then you don't have to be okay. So at some level, there's part of the justification for, listen to me justifying, that's part of the justification for I cry most mornings. Um, Part of that too is that as I do yoga and as I meditate, if something needs to come out, if it's simply an emotion that is trapped in my body, if it's simply something that needs to be felt and moved, especially if there's no thought attached to it, it's just, oh, if I move that way or if I do a yoga pose that opens my heart in this direction, then there's something in there. And sometimes it's a tear and it just moves. So allowing space for my emotions to move so that they don't just fucking explode like a powder keg and devastate me, myself, my idea of myself and my relationships. And if you're not okay, welcome to everyone. (laughs) But also we have to keep like waking up and moving forward and how do we do that? So maybe that's for you a system um, or a structure or a set of discipline. Um, I'm extremely disciplined about the fact that I do yoga and breath work and um, meditation. Not because I'm ever going to film them or build a following around them or tell you how to do those things. Um, I do hold breath work sessions, but it's more choose your own adventure. Um but because they have become critical to my ability to feel into my body before I begin the day. Because feeling into my body is very difficult for me. I'm a child who was raised, um, once you're labeled smart, once you get that little like post-it note added to your, um, to your education plan, um, once you're treated differently and separately, um, a lot of you, I don't want to say your, I don't want to project, a lot of my value as a kid came from I'm the smart one. Never mind if I'm chubby, never mind about how I look, never mind about my personality, never mind that I'm funny, never mind. um, All adults are going to ask is what do you want to be when you grow up? But I had an answer. I was going to be a teacher. And they just want to be proud of you for being smart. That's it. So I learned to value that above everything else, that I am a mind, I have a mind, I am so smart. And my body carries around my mind and I can pretty much ignore my body. Which, you know, if you go to physical education and gym class, you can pretty much ignore your body except for those 40 minutes twice a week that were just absolute hell. And then you go back to ignoring your body. So for me, yoga is part of being in my body and feelings themselves, just emotions. To really get them right, I have to be in my body because thinking about my feelings, A, does not change them and B, does, does not help in many cases. I can have feelings about my feelings. That's not helpful. I can have thoughts about my feelings. Generally not helpful. I'm just going to feel my feelings. Um, and some of those things seem arbitrary. They're, they're, and they're things that I would have shamed myself about five years ago for even being upset about that I can now just let let it move. It's not, it's not wrong to have feelings. That's taken so much work. There it is. I'm going to say it again. I'm like Richard Gere and Pretty Woman. I'm so angry with my father. Um, It's not wrong to have feelings. So if you're having feelings and you're not okay, yeah. Yeah. You're not okay and then you'll be okay and then you're not okay and then you'll be okay. Part of it too is that when we want to put ourselves into a box, am I okay? Am I not okay? We want that to be a kind of permanent state at some times, just so we know where we are, or at least oriented if we know we're not okay, versus letting yourself move into and out of that feeling of, okay, like, I'm steady right now, absolutely true. I may feel unsteady when I have more feelings, when I have a different encounter or experience, when I encounter new information, 
when I check the headlines and there's an autoplay slideshow of some atrocity that I cannot at this moment imagine that is currently happening in the world, but I'm going to see visuals of it, which will be locked into my brain. So I am okay right now. I am steady right now. And I do not guarantee that I will be steady or okay all day long because life happens. It happens. I don't think I ever told you about this um, in that I went to see uh, Springsteen on Broadway last August. I want to say it was August 2021. Um, Bruce was uh, reopening the Great White Way. He was doing his Broadway show like five nights a week for a few months. It was uh, the run was shortened shortly after I saw my show because of another COVID surge. I remember I was watching him and he was talking about, he would tell a story and then he would sing a song and he would tell a story and he would sing a song. That's the whole format. And he would finish the song and he would take the heels of his hands, like your, you know, like your palm. And then there's that place where your wrist meets your palm and then your thumb bed. You know what the heel of your hand is. (laughs) He would take the heels of his hands and he would just wipe them wipe them on his pants and then go about his business. And I was like, is he crying? Does he cry when he tells the story? Does he cry when he sings a song? Yes, he does. Yes. Yes. I have never seen a human being cry as much as I saw Bruce Springsteen cry in Springsteen on Broadway. It was stunning. It was the most stunning act of vulnerability I have ever witnessed. Because everyone there has paid minimum hundreds of dollars to be there just there there were no tickets cheaper than my ticket and my ticket was a few hundred dollars we've come for a show right it's the middle of a pandemic everyone is in masks everyone had to be vaccinated everyone has to stay seated they were very vigilant about if you are not actively consuming a food or beverage your mask is on like between sips you put your mask back on we've all been through so much and what we think we're gonna get or what I thought I was gonna get was Bruce is gonna laugh he's gonna entertain us he's gonna make us you know fill our hearts and we're gonna walk out of there just on cloud fucking nine and he told devastating story after devastating story after devastating story after devastating story weeping throughout and we all left happier anyway how the fuck does that happen Because sometimes we need someone to hold a space for us to not be okay. And sometimes we need spaces where we're okay, but there's a universal element and ache to what's being shared that touches all of us. And I will never forget the silence of that room of the St. James Theater, sold out crowd, of course, the silence. You could hear Bruce. You could hear when he had guitar. You could hear his fingers on the frets. That was how silent it was. And you could also hear, I've only ever experienced it at funerals, that sense of everyone is trying to weep quietly. No one is going to take a big show. No one is the widow at the front of the funeral with the, with wailing. It was very white in terms of everyone is going to be 
quiet. So you could hear throats, you could hear sniffling, you could hear all the sounds that you make when you are trying desperately to, to cry quietly. Hundreds of people in a room crying quietly. Still so quiet that you can hear Bruce's fingers moving along the, th- the frets of the guitar. And he's crying the most. There is something fucking sacred about, about giving people a space to just be who they are and to, if you need to cry about anything at all, I will press on those places and we will cry and it will be all right. And nobody's going to judge you for that. I don't think that we make enough space for feeling as a society. I think that feelings are often just tossed to the wayside. Feelings are inconvenient. Feelings are something we try to logic ourselves out of. By the way, that never fucking works. Ever. Ever. Um, trying to Something we try to guilt ourselves out of. Like, oh, we shouldn't feel that way. Something we try to shame ourselves. Uh, ooh, you should be ashamed of feeling that way. Or, or I am ashamed of feeling X way. When in reality, that it's just sensations that we're experiencing. And they're there for a reason. You're not experiencing feelings because you're a victim of life, nor are you experiencing feelings because they are wrong or bad. You're experiencing feelings because the world is trying desperately to communicate with you. Your body, your life, your soul, it's all trying to communicate with you. And when we fear emotion, we end up fucking... We're Elvis Costello's in a Bruce Springsteen world. Elvis Costello is musically brilliant and his music makes me feel nothing because it is extremely academic. It is extremely, there are 38 chords with seven key changes. It's impossibly difficult. His musicians complain about how difficult the music is and it still doesn't hit me in my soul. But if we have three chords, I don't care what chords they are. Three chords, Bruce, pick them. Let's do this thing. We can go all the way to the depth of human experience and we can all the way down. We can come all the way back up. We can leave with puddles of tears in our eyes, feeling more alive than we have in weeks or months or years because we're willing to feel. See, this is now how I thought this would go. I had no idea what I was going to talk about. I love how I said how I thought it was going to go, but also I didn't know what I was going to talk about. It's fascinating. Um, I've had a lot of shame about having feelings. That is, that is a full statement. I have had a lot of shame about having feelings. Feelings in my family were uh, unacceptable, unimportant, um, not particularly useful, and not my job. Uh, my parents were very clear that it was my job to get straight A's. It was my job to do well in school so that I could get a scholarship, so I could go to college, so I could take care of and support myself. And what, what part do feelings have in that? <laughs> Why would we need feelings? So a lot of my life has been about how do I get to a place where I can feel feelings without guilt and shame? How do I get a place where I can hold space for others to feel feelings without guilt and shame? And how do I do all of that, most interestingly for me, without becoming a therapist? Because what I want is not to work 
in such a way that I can give that I give you diagnostic tools or prescriptions. I want to simply make feelings just normal and you have them and you work through them and you probably need a therapist for the more difficult ones. Absolutely. But there's something about a communal experience of feeling that is really beautiful, that's really important, and that we don't let ourselves have. And I don't have any solutions here. I don't, I don't have any big program I'm going to roll out about feelings. I just want to validate that if you're not okay, well, Brene Brown says nobody's really okay. (laughs) If you're having feelings, yes. If you cry a lot of mornings, yes. If you feel steady after you cry, yes. And I also want to point out that we cannot selectively numb emotion. This is, this is one of Brene Brown's like greatest gifts to me. That one got in early and it was super helpful. We can't selectively numb emotion. So if you numb the lower range, grief, pain, terror, despair, staring into the abyss, you are also numbing the upper range, joy, delight, wonder, awe, appreciation, gratitude, magnificence, explosive happiness. You can't numb one without numbing the other. And what I see in general is a trend toward that middle ground of like centrist emotion, which is like, we're never really high, we're never really low. We just, we're sort of numb to both ends and we exist in the middle and we scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll until we sleep and that's what we do with our lives. I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be a reason that you scroll. I don't want to meet you in places where scrolling is happening, if I'm being honest. And that's really hard to admit. Um, And I know that that bucks against cultural wisdom. And I understand that, like, I might become completely irrelevant because I refuse to get on TikTok. um, That could happen. And I'm okay with that happening. And I went to Pittsburgh, as, uh, as I told you. Last week, Pittsburgh happened. Nobody got COVID and I had to stay home. It was great. It was a, it was a close call. Bear took a couple of COVID tests, but it's just an ordinary cold. Very exciting. Very, isn't that exciting when you get sick and you're like, it's COVID. It's not COVID. Okay, cool. It's just a regular old cold like in the before. Fan-fucking-tastic. So Bear got sick, but we went to Pittsburgh anyway uh, with my girls. And we went to <gasps> Randy Land. Shout out to uh, Jenny for recommending Randyland. And Randyland, it's exactly like it sounds. It's a dude, Randy, who made a land, Randyland. <laughs> uh, it's two houses on the North Shore of Pittsburgh and a garden area in between that have just been loaded with so much art and joy and delight and ridiculousness and recycled and upcycled and repurposed magic that you cannot fucking believe it. And there's a sand pit for small children. There are mannequins all over the place. There are chairs suspended from the air. There's a permanently decorated Christmas bits. 
There are inspirational sayings. There are uh, just lovely and wonderful and magnificent and bizarre and wondrous art things happening, which was lovely. It was Randy Land was fucking lovely, and I bought Bear a T-shirt. But what was amazing to me and so, so beautiful was that Randy Land was like an infection in the neighborhood. Like Randy Land, it's the joy and color and magic of just freedom of expression was not contained to just Randy Land. So as you walk down the block, there are clearly planters at the neighbor's houses that Randy has had some say in. Like Randy has painted some painters, some planters along the way, right? And then across the street, there's a garden that clearly Randy has had his hands in. And down the block, uh, the poet's house is moved in. Now, I don't know which was there first, but I know there's definitely influencing happening. Um, and there are, there are homes in Pittsburgh, entire homes whose facades have been painted as house poems. What? Are you fucking serious? There are house poems in Pittsburgh. I, I had no idea. So a thing that someone decided to do on a whim has become an infection of joy in a city. It's fascinating and it's beautiful and it's delightful and it lives in my soul and it gives me hope because we can see bad infections spreading like fucking cancer. We see misinformation spreading. We see images of war spreading. We see, um, there was a video Bear saw from the war in Ukraine that he just described to me. And I cried for 20 minutes. Like I had been hit, um, just beaten because my heart had just been beaten. You said there are some things that you don't have to see in order to feel. And just describing the video was so fucking shocking that I cried for 20 minutes. Do I need to tell you what that is? No, I do not. And there is also this tremendous capacity for joy within all of us. And if we give up on that capacity or decide that that capacity is useless or try and talk ourselves out of it or make ourselves feel guilty for having that joy, that's when we're really fucked. We're the most fucked when we give up on joy. That's a statement I'll stick behind until the day I fucking die. We are the most fucked when we give up on joy. No matter what else the other experiences are that are going on, if you still have the capacity to experience joy, we're doing great. Because what I've learned as an optimist with an eye toward reality, we'll say, for the last two years. It's not that we need to be joyful all the time. It's that we need to maintain a capacity for joy. Because it's easy to just throw that shit right out the window. And that actually doesn't help anyone when we're not joyful, when we give up on even having a capacity for joy. It's like if our how if our lives are emotional spaces and we have rooms for everything. If we close and lock the door to joy and we put some furniture in front of it and just shove some anger in front of that and shove some grief in front of that, if we just completely deny ourselves access to joy, everything gets worse. Everything. So can we not do that? That would be fucking awesome. Can we cultivate joy a bit? 
And the way that I'm cultivating joy um, this week is by sharing what I've been working on with you. It's uh, this is this is the week when I talk to people about the gathering. We will see what happens. We will see. Um, the the joy based vision of the gathering is that we do the opposite of what everyone wants us to do right now. So we've just had Brene Brown's most recent podcast as I bang on my fucking steering wheel. No one is okay. By and large, we are just not okay. And what I see continuously with the women that I work with is a desire to stop numbing, muting, and martyring ourselves as time goes on. When you make a huge amount of space and commit yourself to, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to numb myself anymore. I'm not going to mute myself anymore. I'm not going to murder myself anymore. And I'm not talking about never, ever a hundred percent change. I'm talking incremental growth. That's always what it's about. It's not zero to 95 in 22 seconds. When we make space to complete tasks and explore areas that help us to stop numbing, stop muting, and stop murdering ourselves, we are going to end up with more access to joy. Because that's a fucking ride. That's a thing that I could give my life to. That is a thing that if you were like, what do you want everyone who encounters you to learn or to feel permission to do, if I could encourage you to feel permission to feel what you're feeling, to say what you need to say, and to refuse to do unpaid invisible labor in unequal amounts simply because that's what you've been indoctrinated into, that is a life I can give myself to living. I want you to be more free. I want you to be more full as opposed to starving. I want you to experience an expanded capacity for joy. And I want to do all that in the context of live work so that you are not doing it alone and so that you can find the joy in uncovering and discovering and playing with other humans. Because if we're not okay, then we need to take action that moves us in the direction of okay. And generally, the more not okay you are, the more you need human connection and kindness in order to reach a state of being okay, even momentarily. What you do not need is to be all by yourself shaming and guilting and judging yourself for whatever it is that you're feeling. Because whatever it is that's happened to you, if we take it out of the context of what's happening in the world, there are simply these things that have happened to you. Whatever it is you're grappling with in your interiors, if I could have just a magic eraser around your aura and your soul, and I could take away all the shame that you have for feeling what you're feeling, that is a gift. That's what I would like to do. Here's every piece of shame that you have for feeling whatever it is you're feeling. 
if we can remove that, if we can simply name it, okay, I feel, I feel ashamed that, and 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 I feel ashamed that. Great. Name all of those shames out loud, but we're going to simply let them move. We're not going to let them be the last word about you. And based on this other class that I'm taking, if you're a woman, the shame that you feel about the weight that you've gained during pandemic, you can feel it. That's fine. But it's not, it's, that's another one that it's everyone. It's, it's, it's not just you. It's okay for that to move. And then if I could remove the guilt that you have for whatever is going on in your life. Because guilt is generally a layer on top of whatever emotion your body's trying to send to you. Guilt is like a, it runs interference and it keeps you from feeling what, what your body's trying for you to feel. Worry is the same way. It keeps you from feeling what your body is trying to feel. So there's no pure messaging in guilt. That's not a base emotion that way. If I could remove that so that now you're allowed to just exist as a human being who is feeling some things. And if I could take away your desire to numb those things so that you can simply be with them, that would be a gift. That's part of what the gathering is for. And if I could help you express that which is difficult to express. In many cases for me during pandemic, there have been my deepest desire has been to be allowed to just walk into the middle of the street and scream at the top of my lungs whenever I would like. I haven't done that, but I did go to a rage room <laughs> and beat the shit out of some stuff. If we don't mute that part of you, if we find a way to get that out, we journal it out, we talk it out, we stare it out, we attention it out, we breath work it out, we do whatever needs to be done to get you to feel expressed again, that is a worthwhile conquest. And then if we begin to do those, undo those patterns that have harmed you so much over the years that have made you into a martyr in your life, whether consciously or unconsciously. And I would say that unconsciously is generally going to be shaped by your family of origin and or your religious constructs. If we just ever so gently undo the places where you're a martyr and you put everyone else's needs in front of your own and you quietly resent the shit out of everyone in your life because of that... That would be work that I could give myself to as well. That's what the gathering is for. It's 24 women. And that number is very specific. And after experiencing a class with a few hundred women in a Zoom chat, 24 women is just right. <laughs> 175 fucking excited ladies in Zoom is mind-blowingly too much for me. It's 24 women. Agreeing to do the work of stop numbing, stop muting, stop murdering over the course of three months. You can find all the info you need at thegathering.work. Thegathering.work. And if I'm honest, of course, that's coming out this week and it's scary. It's always scary to release a new thing into the world, uh, to not know how it's going to be received. Uh, my fear is that the feedback will be it's too, it's a too big of a time commitment and or everything's happening in the wrong time zone. Um, some semblance of those two things is my, my fear. And also it is my hope that if this appeals to you, you find a way 
to make this work, that if doing this feels urgent, if you know that numb, mute, and martyr, they hit on your top three actions for pandemic, then I encourage you to take a look to find a way, thegathering.work. And if you're like, I can't possibly fucking make it this time, but next time, I don't know if there'll be a next time. Just let me know. Email me. I'll add you to a wait list. Never hurts to make a wait list, even if I don't know if a thing's going to happen again. Because I don't want to live in a world where everyone's not okay. And also we have no space to not be okay unless we are in our therapist's office. I want to make spaces outside of therapy where we get to connect as actual humans being actually vulnerable, doing our actual work in the world without diagnostics or pharmaceuticals and with a deep sense of knowing, a deep sense of trusted, shared urgency, a deep sense of community, and a deep sense of being seen, felt, heard, even if there's nothing we can do for you. If you have lost someone to COVID, there is nothing I can do to make that person come back to life. I acknowledge that in every way. But if I can sit with you, if I can facilitate your growth by simply refusing to numb, refusing to martyr, refusing to mute yourself, then that is work I will do. Absolutely. I want to make space for you to see yourself for you to reconnect with yourself and then for you to see others and reconnect with others. And I cannot at this very moment imagine a more needed and necessary use of my time. So if you've listened all this way to this ramble, my God, thank you. It always feels partly self-indulgent to just pull over and talk to you. And it also feels exactly right in a way that I cannot override that after, uh, that after, what, 13-ish years in business, um, I know when the instinct does not allow for a compromise, and this is one of them. And at the same time, I would fucking love to hear from you, okay, at kristenkelp.com or kristenkelp.com slash contact. Hit me up. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you feel. Tell me what's going on with you. Tell me um, where you're numbing, muting, or martyring. Tell me what a joy infection would look like for you. Tell me what that might look and feel like, where joy is just irresistible and it spreads through your neighborhood, through your body, through your community, through your work, whatever it is. I want you to get a joy infection and I want it to spread out of control. So may you find ways to experience joy no matter what. May you refuse to numb those parts of you that allow you access to joy simply because they also allow access to pain. May you, in the great tradition of Bruce Springsteen, allow yourself to feel your feelings and cry like a baby. At least you're not crying on stage, right? <laughs> At least you're not crying for money. <laughs> oh, God, I love him so much. May you refuse to murder yourself for your family or your loved ones for one more minute. <laughs> 
May you find ways to both take care of yourself and others, not sacrifice yourself for others. May you find space to admit within yourself where you're okay and where you're not okay. And may there be room for those things to pass through you in the course of a single day that neither has to be a permanent state. You're allowed to be a human. May you feel deeply connected to your body. May you feel deeply connected to your thoughts and desires. And may you feel deeply connected to this earth and to each other. Because I feel so connected to you right now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I'm somewhere off of Upsell Street in Philadelphia with a pink tree in my view line, just sending as much love as I possibly can to you in this moment. So again, if it's interesting, 24womenthegathering.work. Take a look. Let me know if you need anything. And if you have any questions, k at kristenkelp.com. This has been Confessions Always Scary, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format. One gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.